You're listening to episode 63 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena, the best-selling author of Widowed and Professional Certified Life Coach. And I'm a widow. This is a Joanne the Life Coach podcast production, which also includes Weight Coach and This Is Us podcast. This podcast is based on real stories and real experiences of widowhood, both my own story and journey as a widow, as well as that of many other widows that I've coached and worked with as a life coach. Hi, friends. I'm back. It's so good to be back on my microphone. I've missed you guys. I hope you've missed me. Today I want to talk to you about, you know, it's a story that hits home over and over. It's a constant reminder for us. When we lose our spouse, we immediately realize how precious every moment with them was. Perhaps we wish things had been a little different. Maybe that we worked less or were Maybe we wish we were less preoccupied with our own busyness of life. I know I've talked about this before. We wish there had been more downtime that we could have spent kicked back with our husband or with our wife. It's an old story, isn't it? It's like the morality play we've seen in Hollywood movies. Remember, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey, at the end, he says he's the richest man in all of Bedford Falls. And the point is that richness and having a lot of money are not one and the same. George did not have a ton of money, but he knew he was rich with family and good friends. And after we lose our spouse, we begin to understand how rich we were with that, right? But also our brain immediately begins to scan the past day, the past week, the past months. What did we talk about? Did I say I love you? Did I say it enough? Did we share enough? Did we touch enough? Did we hug enough? Did we love each other enough? Maybe you feel like you looked back at all the things you might have done wrong or inadequately. The brain is like that. You know, it was trained to scan the world for negative to ensure our survival. As soon as our ancient ancestor stepped out in front of their cave, the brain would scan the surroundings for bobcats, dinosaurs, snakes. It did this to protect us. It did this to keep us alive. Today, we're not in constant imminent danger. Yet our brain is still scanning our world for all the negatives instead of all the positives, right? It screams to us, stay in the cave or we'll die. This is what my brain tells me like 50 times a day. Get back in the cave or you will die. If we become a little anxious at work and we get a jolt of adrenaline over the fear of a deadline we have to meet, our brain is going to interpret this as potential for immediate death, right? Because our caveman ancestor, when they got a 
a little jolt of insulin? It's because they spotted a poisonous snake. For us, it's just a new deadline at work. We get that little jolt of insulin and our brain thinks we're going to die. Do you know what my brain says when it thinks I'm going to die? It says, quick, go eat cookies in the break room so we can get some dopamine released up here in the brain and feel better. If you don't go get those cookies, we are surely going to die from this danger. This <laughs> is exactly what my brain tells me. Because sugar releases that little hit of dopamine in your brain like a drug. It's that feel-good chemical in your brain. And so my brain says, oh my God, we need to feel better immediately. Get cookies or we'll die. Good old negative brain. So at first, when we lose our spouse, our brain scans for all the stuff we did wrong instead of all the beautiful moments, all the right moments. But it does teach us a valuable lesson, right? We grasp the value of every moment with family, with good friends. Life continues to reintroduce us into this theme. For me, this morning, it was the loss of a very special person who I was lucky enough to call friend these past few years. We had gone through junior high and high school together, but as acquaintances, not as good friends. You know, we ran in different circles. But Facebook can be an amazing reconnector. First, I found my old school chum that I had known since second grade. Steve was always around throughout all of my school years, and I was delighted to reconnect with Steve. And it was through Steve that I reconnected with Marsha. When I first traveled out to the life coach school in California to study for my certification as a life coach, and Steve said, oh, hey, if you're going to be out here, you know what? Marsha lives up there right by where you're going to school. And my wife, Autumn, and I can drive on up and we'll set up going out to dinner. It was wonderful. It was an amazing second chance to get to know these people who had been in my life for decades, and I got to know them better. I met with Steve and his beautiful wife and Marsha and her husband, and we all had dinner together, and we laughed the whole time. It was so much fun, and they were such beautiful people especially Marcia. I adored her. And I wondered to myself why the heck I had not spent more time with her in high school, right? It was just the opportunity never presented itself back then. We were traveling like in distant universes, okay? She was a different type of geek than I was. I was a drama geek. <laughs> We were on the same high school campus, but in different worlds. No matter. Much later in life, I soaked up every second of shared laughter and enjoyed that evening so much. It was just a memory that I hold fond. And it was the first seed planted in my heart that said it would be so good to move back home to California and be closer to my old friends and my family. Yeah, that was two years ago. I still live in New York, it's where I've always um, lived with Jim. Jim was a diehard New Yorker. This morning, Marsha passed away after a long battle with cancer, and my heart broke. 
time was up. I never had a chance to sit down with her again in person. I never had a chance to invite her into my kitchen for a chat over coffee, to laugh over all the Coptic markers I bought after she introduced me to them. How I reconnected to the enjoyment of just drawing and playing and coloring because of those markers and Marcia. Right? I missed the chance for all of that. As widows, we're often stuck in life and stuck in the negatives. I know it's this way for hundreds, thousands, even millions of widows. The last figure I saw was over 13 million widows in the U.S. It comes to me from running my Facebook ad for my widow coaches class. I run an ad on Facebook, pay to have this ad run about the widow coaches class, to try to get this to everybody's attention. And it collects comments from widows all over the country. I was shocked at first. I didn't expect everybody to be commenting on my advertisement. But there are comments that break my heart. Many of them. Okay. Examples are, um, one widow wrote, it's like a roller coaster. Some days you're up doing fine. Then you feel it slipping. You cry. You can't stop. Right now I'm dealing with the loneliness. Family's there for me, but it's those times when I'm home and everybody else is doing their own thing. I have nothing to do or anyone to hang out with. I'm muddling through it. Another one was, Lost my husband a week before Christmas 2013. Loneliness in the evening is the worst time for me. Family is supportive, but they have their own lives. I don't expect them to be at my beck and call. I lost my husband of 25 years and my child within six months. I'm just ready for Jesus to come get me. I lost my husband of 18 years. He was diagnosed with cancer. I thought I was prepared, but I found out how wrong I was. I thought we were blessed because we had time to say our goodbyes. Again, I was wrong. I was never a drinker before, but I turned to drinking to help me try to get over the loss. I lost my husband of 40 years. Now I'm old. I have bad knees. Now I have all the time in the world to do all the things I've always wanted to do, like traveling, but I'm not even able to keep my house clean. I cry every time I'm alone and I can't seem to stop. I don't have siblings. My children work, have their own lives. I feel so alone and helpless. I just want to go to heaven and be with him. Another said, I don't feel I'm any good to anyone else. I'm just a bother. Another, we were married for 22 years. Some good years, some bad. We always had each other, though. It took me at least a month before the shock wore off, before I took to my room, and I really didn't participate in life other than our one-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter and other family members. I basically crawled in a hole and stayed there for a year. The pain is still right below the surface, and I miss him so very much. I wish I could turn back time knowing that he would be leaving me on that day. 
I do have better days, but I'm not sure at all how I'm really supposed to go on. You know, you guys, it breaks my heart when I read these. I mean, literally hurts my heart. There are more. There are over 400 comments before I reset my ad. And now nearly 200 more comments already on there. And they all sound like this. They are mourning the time they lost so hard that they're losing even more time. Time that could be spent laughing with friends, loving on friends. Time spent loving on ourselves. Time spent doing the things we always wanted to do with no excuses and no apologies. Time spent making a huge difference in the world. This is why I do what I do. Teaching widows how to coach other widows is what I love doing. Teaching these life coaching tools to others, knowing what a tremendous difference it makes to everyone that learns them, this is my life, not just the widow coaches class. This month I added just a one-off a weight loss class. I, I was a weight loss coach before I began focusing more and more on coaching widows. Um, my professional life coach business was set up around helping women overcome overeating. And I'm getting ready for the start of doing a 12-week class for stopping overeating. And I'm so excited about that. It's really a lot of the same tools that I'm teaching. I'm teaching them in a different way, of course. But I love doing it because I know what I am going to be giving out into the world. Would I have been better off staying in my corporate job? Yeah, sure. I would have had a steady income I could count on, right? But I also would have stayed small in the world and I would have served no one. I would not have served a purpose on this planet. I would not have grown so passionately to reach new potential within myself. I tell you now, I am not the same woman that I was three years ago, right? I was plugging away at a safe job, not even close to being this woman who I am now. And I'm so proud of, <clears throat> proud of who I've become. I'm out of a shell, out into the sunlight of life right? I'm determined to make my way in the world and give the world all that I have, even when it scares me. Even when I feel so vulnerable and exposed, and baby, I do. I'm telling you, even on these podcasts, it's like I just lay it all out there. It's all so worth it. One of the amazing differences is losing the phrase, I can't afford it. I've learned how damaging that thought is, how much it holds me back from. I was just sharing on the phone with the widow I was interviewing for widow coach certification about an amazing mentor I found in my life last year, Angela Loria. She was my first publisher. Recently, <laughs> she's been staying at a castle in Scotland, honestly, in a castle on the shores of Loch Lomond. I could die. And she posted a challenge on Facebook. I want to read it to you because this is so good. So 100% spot on. She said it was a download from the universe on the Bonnie Bonnie Banks of Loch Loman. If you live around people who use the phrase, I can't afford it on a daily basis, it will cripple your capacity to make a difference. 
I'm not sure who needed to hear that sentence today, but the universe nudged me to share it, even though I'm in the middle of a tour of Loch Lomond. When you change who you spend time with, your thoughts change. When your thoughts change, your reality changes. It can't not. I can't afford it feels really true, like 100% definitely true. But it's really just a thought. You could pick another one if you wanted to. I know that sounds crazy, but here's the deal. You know the result of thinking the thought, I can't afford it, and of hanging out with people who agree, right? What if you spent the next six months from now until the end of the year and remove that phrase from your vocabulary and don't spend time with anyone who thinks or verbalizes that thought? I can't afford it. I bet by January 1, you will blow your own mind. For me, I totally understand that your finances may not be as uncomfortable, may not be as comfortable as they were before your spouse passed away, right? But don't let that phrase, I can't afford it, or anything else you're letting play in your head to keep you from being out in the world, loving on the people you were meant to love. Angela's post was so spot on. One of my favorite things in that post is where she says, when you change who you spend time with, your thoughts change. When your thoughts change, your reality changes. It can't not. And this is, this is such truth. When your thoughts change, your reality changes. When the people around you, when you change that up, when you stop surrounding yourself with people who say things like, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, and you just remove that from your vocabulary, you're going to be blown away with what the changes that it makes in your life. If I had succumbed to what I thought was fact, right, I can't afford it, I, the thought I was having I would have missed out on so much personal growth and life, right? It would have kept me working in a job that was not only horrible and soul-sucking, it was not even paying me enough really to exist on, truth be told. And it would have kept me alone, right? That job, this was the job that they began kind of abusing my time and expected me to be working seven days a week and be avail available to them anytime they wanted to call me. It would have kept me hanging with others who were going down the same depressing drain, if anyone else at all. I was alone about 99% of the time. Instead, I chose to learn a new career. And I launched a business as an entrepreneur. Now, yeah, not for the faint of heart, for sure. <laughs> but I grew hugely in my personal life. I completely opened up to the world. I'm still finding new heights of personal potential to strive for. I found mentors. And I found a tribe of entrepreneurs around me who have lifted me up. My tribe my incredible, amazing tribe. And I still add to that tribe weekly, monthly, sometimes daily. Every student coming into Widow Coach's class becomes a new member of my 
tribe and we lift each other up like you wouldn't believe. All because I learned that there wasn't a moment to waste. How precious it is to get out there in the dance of life again. Thinking I can't afford it is like drinking poison. What a headstone tribute, right? This would have been my headstone. I would have lived more, but I couldn't afford it. <laughs> you can't afford not to. It is no longer in my vocabulary. So maybe you cannot spend your dollars on a new car. It's not that you can't afford it. It's that you choose to spend your money in other ways. It's just really as simple as that. Consider how you choose to spend your money and what that brings you. Don't ever miss out on life. Don't ever miss out on your tribe because you constantly think thoughts that hold you back. I didn't get one more conversation with Marsha because I could never find the time, find the money to go back home to California, sit down with friends. And I've said to others, I've really verbalized this in the past to others, that, you know, Jim is gone and there's really nothing holding me in New York anymore. And I would love to return home to my home state where my daughter, family, and friends are. But my little house in the Hudson Valley is only worth a fraction of what a house would cost me in California. I can't afford a house in the San Francisco Bay Area with my family and friends. Are you hearing that? That thought has to stop and stop now. Even if I'm on an airplane every other month to just go sit down and have dinner with one friend out there, there is no time to waste. There's only life to lose. Living to lose. Loving to lose. I'm not going to lose another second. I'm not. How about you? Are you still feeling like you can't recover from your grief? What are the thoughts you tell yourself about this? Where's a good start? A trip? Maybe take, go take a seminar? Do it. Do it. If nothing else, go take a look at Widow Coach's class. You know, I see the light come back into the eyes of my students and I love it. I love them. Come be part of my tribe. If you want to, go to joannethelifecoach.com slash widowcoaches. You'll get a link in your email, which will um, take you to an application online. It's a brief application that really just tells me a little bit more about you. And if you sound like this class is something that will definitely help you, I'll email you to jump on a phone call with me so we can talk about it. The most important thing to me, though, is that you don't hold back in your life. You know, if you see some local seminar that might be interesting, but you're thinking, oh, I can't, I can't afford it. Stop it. Go do it. Going to do that seminar may be one of the high points of your life. For this month anyway. It's so worth whatever you spend to do it, right? Take a little trip. Find the money somewhere to do that. To buy gas, put in your car, go drive a couple states away. <laughs> Pay for a hotel room for a couple nights. Do it. 
Get out there and live your life. Don't hold back. Don't sit in your house thinking you'll never be able to let go of your pain and heal. You will. Don't think you're just waiting to die and join your husband again. You know, that's going to happen eventually. It's going to happen soon enough. Yeah, you'll die. You'll go back to your, see your husband again in the afterlife. Don't waste the life you have in your right now, this moment, just waiting. Get up, walk outside, breathe the air, go find your tribe. Learn about you, right? Go live, please. Get out there and find joy in your life. I'll be back to talk to you guys next week.